guys having a good week? Good. Yes, I like the enthusiasm. If you're not, it needs to get better today, starting right now. You're starting off your week this week better. So let's make our decision right now. Um, I think it was last week. Um, this came to me, and I wanted to, to. This is just. This is before the sermon. Before I get into what I really want to talk about, um, but there was a quote I heard man, a couple of years ago, and um, it goes like this. I'll read it to you, and then we'll, we'll we're going to pray about something. It says, "A friend is someone who knows the song of your heart and can sing it back to you when you have forgotten the words. A friend is someone who knows the song of your heart and can sing it back to you when you have forgotten the words." And uh, I want to pray that everyone here has good friends. Kind of like, oh, cool, how cheesy. This is a Barney episode. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is not Barney. And uh, I'm not a psychiatrist or anything like that. But I do know the value of good friends. And um, I was, our, before Josiah was born, we were in the hospital, and it, uh, they had tried to induce uh, labor with Mandy, and it just didn't work. So we were at the hospital for a long time. And they finally decided, uh, we're just going to have to do a C-section. So um, while we were there, I was just like, come on, let's time sit still. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Those, some of you that are waiting for new babies right now, you know what I'm talking about. It's like t- time is sitting still for Sarah and you guys, right? Um, just hurry up and get here. So I wrote um, a couple of, of letters to, Jos- to Josiah, and I was just the first one. I was just kind of telling him, I've always wanted to be a dad. I can't wait to meet you kind of stuff, right? The second one, though, was, was after he was born. <clears throat> and I was just telling him, you know, what I already learned just from seeing him, like, I thought I knew how to love, and then I saw you, and it's like, oh, my gosh, like, this is, I, don't, I didn't know this before. I thought I knew love, but seeing you um, has totally changed what I feel and what I know love to be. So I was just telling him that, and then at the end of it, I wanted to tell him uh, everyone that came to see him when he was in the hospital. So I just made a list. I wrote down every person, family, friends, and there was seriously... 50 or 100 people. It was ridiculous. I mean, in and out. We had a lot of teenagers in our youth group, so we had lots of people come in and out, a lot of friends. And I know Mandy loved it, I'm sure. (laughs) Everybody parading through the revolving door while she's trying to recover from a C-section. So anyway, we had tons of friends and family come in. So I just started writing Josiah. I was like, Josiah, this person came to see you, and that person came to see you, and they didn't even know you, but they they love our family. and, And so I wrote family names and then friend names. And then I wrote a little thing to them, and I should have brought it out and just read it, but basically I said, Josiah, make sure you make good friends. Make sure that you put people around you that want the best for you, that cheer you on, that really guard your heart and protect your heart. And I said, everyone that came to see us today, not just family, but also friends, every one of those people will be friends for life. Every one of them will have a part of our heart to, to, to have access to us for the rest of our lives. And so um, recently I was having a discussion with Josiah. I was like, make sure you always make good friends. Surround yourself with people that have qualities that you value, have qualities that you respect. Um, There's a little boy that he's friends with at school. His name is Sam, and he's probably like an angel because everything I hear about this kid, he's like perfect. And I'm like, and Josiah, it's his favorite. He says, I I love Sam. He's my brother. I'm like, good. I want you to stick with Sam. Sam's a good kid. He loves Jesus, and he loves you, Josiah. So stay close to him. Y'all protect each other. Guard your hearts. And so I wanted to, to talk to you today just and pray for you to, to have really good friends. Uh, I don't, I don't want to just make this for younger people, but I do want to say, hey, young, young adults, 
friends are people that add value to your life. If they don't add value to your life, they can still be an acquaintance. You don't have to break off relationship with them, but limit their access they have to your heart. I'm even teaching Josiah that even now. I'm like, Josiah, there are some people that are really on your team, and they can have real close access to your heart. Then there's other people that you go to school with. They're in your class. They're your friends, but they don't have access to your heart the way Sam does. You can determine who has access. And so I want to talk to to young adults and anyone else here. You're struggling to find friends. Um, The best way to find friends is to love people. To really love people and to, to really love yourself. And then when you find those people that, that they don't try to get you to do things that are outside of your character. When I was in school, I was the church boy that was perfect that never did anything wrong. That's what everyone saw me as. And it was like, um, it's like it was like there was a bounty bowl going on to see who could get Jared to do something wrong. I'm telling the truth. It's really the way it was. Like they, it, there, there was that agenda around certain groups of people that I would hang out with because I played all kinds of sports. So I was surrounded by that whole, whole thing. And there was like this agenda like, can we get him to, to drink? Can we get him to go to a party? I'm like, yeah, I'll come to your party, and I won't drink. And they're, they're like, oh, crap. You know, that, that's kind of the way it felt. Like they would just try to push the agenda to get me. And, but I found a couple of people that were really my friends. And so I was friends with other people, but I was really close to some. And I just want to encourage you, find those people that don't try to push your boundaries, <clears throat> try to add stuff to your life that will, that will cause you to stumble. Am I, am I okay with this? Like, I think the best people to add to your life are those that know what God's put inside of you, and they're going to protect it as well. And that's what I just want to pray. So if you just close your eyes, and uh, we're going to pray right now that God will put those right people in our lives. Because not everyone that comes into our life has the right agenda or the agenda of God. Not everyone is sent from Him. We have to be really careful. And I, I don't know, I felt this so strong last week. And, and uh, I, I didn't want to put it off another week. I had it in here and I just wanted to pray for it. So God, uh, first of all, we thank you because you said that Jesus was a friend who would sit closer than any brother. And so, first of all, I pray that you would teach us all to have that kind of relationship and friendship with you. So that we know what it's supposed to look like to be friends. God, I pray that that everyone in this room would find their Jonathan like David did. I pray that they would find those people that would surround them, that would lift them up, that would encourage them, that would know the right thing to say in, in, in the right season, that would encourage when they need to encourage, that would correct them when they need to be corrected. They'll call them on the carpet when their behavior doesn't line up with who they are. God, I ask that you would put good friends in their lives, Lord, people that will protect the gold and the, and the calling that you put upon them, people that will, that will guard their heart and keep them from pain and suffering that's unnecessary. huh <laughs> Father, I pray that you would begin to send good friends from the north, the south, the east, and the west. And I pray that those of us that do have good friends in our life, that will, that will protect those relationships. That we won't let anything come between those friendships, those people that would go to battle for us. And Father, we just ask you for, for friendship, to, for true friendship. Amen? All right. You guys good? True friends. I used to hate people I didn't have. Um, uh, a high standard for for other people. I didn't really want a lot of people close to me. And my wife is very opposite of who I was. And so as our marriage has gone on, I really have started to enjoy being around people and started wanting more and more friends. Does that make sense? And so some of you guys out there, look, let let me put it this way. 
great friends aren't always just going to pursue you. Sometimes you have to open the door. Like, I don't know why I was going into this for so long. I just thought I was just going to pray about it. But if you're waiting for that great friend to just begin to, to, to share with you and spend time with you, then, then the chances of that happening are very rare for someone to, to step, especially with men. I'm talking to men right now. You need to let your guard down and tell someone, hey, I really need you to be a friend to me. Because how many guys, we're not the best at following up and calling each other and checking on each other, right? Right? So when we're having a hard time, people aren't going to check on us because that's just not our nature. We hate, I hate the phone. I hate talking on the phone. I hate answering the phone. I hate anything to do with the telephone other than checking text messages, right, or emails. I just hate it. Any guys in here like that? It's just not in our nature to be the follow-up people, right? If you are, you're very unique and special, and you're supposed to be a pastor. <laughs> But when we're, yeah, Bob's different. But when we're struggling, we're having a hard time, we need to pick up the phone and call somebody and tell them, hey, I'm having a hard time. I need to talk. Because most of us are not going to infringe upon another man's territory. We, a lot of times we want to be asked into it. I know I'm that way, and I think a lot of people are that way. Ladies, they don't care. They, they can sense something's wrong, and they'll just talk it out right now. So, so, guys, let's just open up. Let's open up. If we, if we need something, ask for it, right? And then when, when God brings those people into our lives, it's protected. So, all right, that's enough of that. Um, why don't you just say this prayer with me. Father God, I ask you to give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation that I may know you better. Amen. All right, I'm going to um, kind of address something that I've seen and noticed. And, and I, I was really... Um, I've been very uh, discouraged with uh, our, our overall American culture, um, church culture. Let's put it that, American church culture. How we, we can say that we're, we believe that, that God is this way, yet we'll live completely opposite of that. Or, or we will select people to lead us that believe in completely the opposite stuff. I'm I'm okay with just being, I'm going to be, I'm taking a chance today. I'm going to. Um, The Bible tells us, he says, woe to those who call evil good. And basically what's happened is there's an agenda in in the the American culture, in in the freedom culture. Look, if America goes down, the world is in trouble. Because there's never been and there never will be a country like America. Listen to me. There's never been a more free place. We started out and it was rough. Think about what America has gone through. And for people to complain and talk bad about America, we don't know what we're talking about. We started out where the culture of the day was slavery was okay. And women were not women. They weren't given authority and they weren't equal to men. We started out like that because that was the culture of the entire world. America weren't the only ones that owned slaves, and it didn't start with Americans. It had been going on for forever. They weren't the only ones that didn't allow women to, to vote or have a voice. I mean, most nations in the world to this day still don't allow women to have a voice. Most nations in the world. So look in 200 and so somewhat years what America has evolved into because of freedom. Because of God. 
we started out one way, and it was Christian people that stood up and says, no, it's not right for us to have slaves. It's not right for us to own another man. We need to make people free. It was Christians who rose up and said, it's not right for us to make women second-class citizens and expect them to, to just have babies and work around the farm, but they can't have a voice to vote for our country and, and, and other rights. It was the Christians that began to feel this stuff. So for, for people to talk negatively about our country, it makes me very angry because there is no country ever that has done what we've done, especially in the amount of time that we've done it in. We've made this the most free place, free for business, free for, for every individual, free for every race, every culture. This is the freest place there is, right? And so, but, but what has happened is there are people that don't like the freedom that America brings. <clears throat> the reason that they don't like the freedom that America brings is because they know that it comes from God and they don't like God. So what has happened is over the last hundred years or so, there's been a movement, it's called a progressive movement, that literally wants to make government God and wants to take God completely out of society and wants to make us reliant upon the government and elected officials and whatnot and have a relationship with them. And, and we go to them on whether we can or can't do something rather than a relationship with the one who gave us our inalienable rights. Are you guys Okay. I, I should have worn red, white, and blue today and had a flag up here and an eagle screech every now and then. <laughs> Little drummer boy. Uh, I'm just starting off here because I want to go somewhere with it. What has happened is that culture of let's change what things mean. Let's change the meaning of life. Let's change the meaning of marriage. Let's change the meaning of what godly is. So, so, I mean, think about it. Over 100 years, it's been ebbing away. And what they've done is what they've tried to do is change our definition for words. In the 50s, if you said that you were gay, what would everyone think? Happy. Why did they attach that word to homosexuality? They're trying to shift and reframe how we think about stuff. How arrogant are we as people to think that we can redefine what God has defined? You guys, this is really different for me, isn't it? How arrogant are we to say, no, marriage isn't between one man and one woman. Marriage can be anything. How arrogant are we to do that? And here's what's... That's, okay, for that to be culturally happening, it's a sign, it's a symptom that there's an issue inside of the church. Nothing happens in the culture externally outside of the church that doesn't have a seed, uh, 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 an origin inside of the church. The Bible tells us, be alert, be aware, because in the last days there will be deceiving spirits and false prophets who will be sown out and they, they, will, they will try to elect, the, uh, uh, deceive even the wisest of people, if it's possible. It says, in the last days, there will be great spirits of deception. And so here's what I want to I talk about. The, I want to talk about the magic of truth today. No one tells the truth anymore. You guys okay? Let's just make it, let's go even more. <laughs> no one cares what the, the truth is subjective. 
The truth is what you can make another person believe is what happens. Our media is no longer truth tellers. They're storytellers. So when something happens, what they want to do is they want to frame it in a specific light so that they define to the American culture what truth is. Truth is not relative. It doesn't shift. It doesn't change. Truth is truth. And for some reason, the church over this same period of time has slowly ebbed into where there's a mixture between our culture and the secular culture. If you do a study, if you really want to look at it, you can find out what the issue is. It was a turning away from the Holy Spirit. We became afraid of the Holy Spirit. We became ashamed of what the Holy Spirit causes people to do. Terms like holy rollers and Jesus freaks came out. Man, you call me Jesus freak now. I don't, that's cool. I'd love to be a Jesus freak. As long as I'm known like that in heaven, you can call me that on earth. But these terms came out through the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. These religious fanatics, they're, they're just really crazy. And so what has happened is we've become ashamed of the very thing that makes us salty and makes us valuable to the people of the earth. So at the same time as they're trying to reframe what things are and redefine things, the church has become ashamed of the things that are absolutes. So we've gone from... It's, there's, no, there's no gray area to everything's gray. It's, it's subjective. We need to look at it from this point of view. We need to understand this person's background before we can say this or that. It's happened in the church. In John 8, verse 31 and 32, he tells them, he says, Hey, <clears throat> if you continue in my word, then you will be my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. All right? In 2 Corinthians uh, 4, verse 4, it says, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel, the glory of Jesus Christ, who is in the image of God. <clears throat> it's time for us as a church to, to be on God's side. Okay? I, I, I hear, I've heard a man say this a lot lately, and, and it, it really rings true to me. He says, God is never on our side. We are on God's side. God doesn't come down and put his stamp of approval on man's thoughts and ideas. Man begins to think like heaven and God says yes to it because we're thinking according to him. He doesn't come and, and, and like the way we do things and say, oh, that's close enough. No, we are on God's side or we're against God. <clears throat> Deception has crept into the church. <laughs> I want to put it like this, okay? Deception is a partnership between a lying tongue and an unbelieving heart. Deception cannot happen if there's not an issue in the heart. Let me say it like this. You can come to me and lie all you want to, and if my heart is steadfast on truth... I will never buy into your lie. I won't be deceived by it. I can come to you and tell you stuff that's not true, but if your heart is anchored to truth, it will have zero effect on you. How many of someone's ever told you a lie and you just knew it wasn't true and you just dismissed it? You weren't deceived by it. Deception can only come when there's an issue of the heart 
and the lying tongue tickles the issue of the heart and they come into agreement and then we're veiled with a cloak of deception where we don't know what's right and what's wrong. Right? Deception is when something that is spoken is untrue, but it feels true because of a stronghold in our heart. Bless you. You guys okay? Deception can never work on the church if we are anchored in truth. And, and Jesus said, look, I've got to go away because Holy Spirit's going to come. And, and when he comes, he's the spirit of truth. He will lead you and guide you into all truth. There will, all this deceiving stuff we talked about, you will be deception proof. Because the Holy Spirit knows the truth. He searches all things, knows all things. He's the one that judges thoughts and attitudes of the heart. He's the one that knows what's light and what is masquerading as light. And so as the world has been ebbing away at freedom and, about, uh, and ebbing away from who God is and what, what real uh, freedom is, what love is, what marriage is, what happiness is, what, what you really need to sustain you in life, as the world is reframing and reshaping this stuff, the church has buried itself away from the spirit of truth and we've come under the influence of deceptive spirits. And it's, it's, it's time for it to stop. In Galatians 3, Paul gets really frustrated with them. Read it. I wish we could hear his tone. <laughs> and I wish he would have elaborated a little bit more to show us really what was going on. But it's in Galatians 3, verse 1. He says, you foolish Galatians, who has put a spell on you? If it was me, I would have said, you idiots. <laughs> who has lied to you and tricked you and put a spell on you? He goes on, Do you, did you receive the Spirit of God? By what you did or by faith? And he goes, and after having started with the Spirit, now you're trying to live according to the flesh again, according to the law, outside of the Spirit? He's like, wake up. Wake up. Who's, who's done this? He's like wanting to slap him around. And I, I think if Paul could speak to the American church right now, he would say, you foolish Americans. Who has put a spell on you? Who has allowed you to say what God has defined as, as marriage? How, who's, who's, who's given you the spirit or the attitude to think that that's irrelevant? Look, there are major denominations of our, uh, uh, in America that are saying that it's okay for their bishops and for their pastors to be homosexuals. It's not okay. Completely not okay. I don't care what the law says. It's not okay. It's not okay for, for certain attitudes to be in the church. Look, if I know that there are issues that happen, and I know that there are times when, when divorce happens. We, I know we have people in this room who've been through divorce, but look where you're at now. You've, you've come through it, and you're marching on. I, my heart is that the church begins to say, wait a second, divorce shouldn't even be in our vocabulary. It shouldn't be. No, you didn't marry the wrong person. Stick it out. Work it out. Let God crush both of you until you're made new. Until you fall in love again. I, I, I'm saying these are specific things that have happened in the church that we've redefined what God originally defined as something else. The only reason that happens is because of a spirit of deception comes in. We believe the lie. The lie would, have ha would not have had any power if there wasn't an attitude in our heart that was wrong. That's why Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart, 
for all of life's issues spring from your heart. It's so important that you and I guard our hearts because when a lie comes, if my heart is protected, if my heart is shielded by the power of the Holy Spirit, I won't buy into any lie. It's only when I haven't protected my heart or I've allowed an attitude to come in that's not from God and then a lie comes that I come under the spell of deception. You guys okay? In James 1, verse 13 through 18, he says, When you're tempted, don't you dare say God tempted you. He says, For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he doesn't use evil to tempt anyone. And then he explains the process, right? He says, Everyone is tempted when their own desires, when they're enticed and pulled away by their own desires. You're dragged away from the truth by a desire that's in the heart that's not from God. And when that, that thing is enticed inside of us, it gives birth to desire to sin. And when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is full grown, it leads to death. It says, do not be deceived, my dear brothers. Do not be deceived. Say, don't be deceived. Then this is what he says. He says, don't be deceived. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. How cool to me. We, that's a whole complete, I'd love to preach on that. It's more fun. But don't be deceived. Everything that's good comes from God. <laughs> don't think that God tempts you. Don't think God brings storms to cause you to, to move a certain direction. Don't think this stuff. We are only enticed into sin. We are only tempted when there's an evil thing already planted in our heart and the enemy just comes in and sprinkles a little water on it. And we're enticed by that thing. So we have to guard our hearts. In 2 Timothy verse, uh, chapter 4, verses 1-5, through 5, he tells them, he goes, there will come a day where they won't endure sound doctrine. But what they will do, because of the evil inclinations of their heart and their itching ears, they will heap to themselves, they will only surround themselves by people that tell them what they want to hear. He says, don't be like those people. Don't be like those people. The truth hasn't changed. The truth has not changed. Everyone say, the truth hasn't changed. The church has to recommit ourselves to a relationship with the Holy Spirit. As these days continue, as things continue to progress in the social and the political climate of our world, more than ever before, we're going to have to not be deceived as believers. The measuring line of truth has not changed. I heard someone tell a story recently of a, of a man who had never cut lumber before and he just wanted to help out. They were building a house. And so he's like, oh, I'll, I'll help. And they're like, okay, you can at least do that, you know, cut, cutting, a, cutting a lumber. You cut some two-by-fours with a saw. So what he'd do is he measures the first one out. It's eight feet or whatever it is. He measures it with a tape measure, takes the saw out, cuts it at eight feet, puts the tape measure up, takes that eight-foot uh, piece of wood, puts it up to the next one, and puts a line and cuts it and then sets the one aside and then takes that piece of wood instead of remeasuring from the original. How many knows what would happen over time? <laughs> it gets shorter and shorter. No matter how, how well we mark that line, it's going to get shorter and shorter. Why? Because we changed the origin of truth. We changed the measuring point. 
What has happened in American church and the American culture is truth has been changed. We started here and we measured it here. Oh, well, now truth is this. Let's measure it by this. Oh, well, now, you know, abortion is okay in, in these cases of rape and incest. Oh, what we're doing is we're moving the line. And God says, no, the line doesn't move. You're under a deceptive spirit. Wake up. Who has deceived you? Who's put a spell on you? What is it that's in your heart that's allowing truth to be moved back and forth? For us to vote consistently for people in office that abort babies is, is, a, is appalling to me. It would be one thing if it was non-church culture that voted people in. I don't care what party you belong to. I don't belong to any party. I won't tell you what I am. I'm not a Republican, and I'm not a Democrat, and I'm not a Libertarian. I'm on God's side. <laughs> For us to consistently elect these people would bother me if it was done by just non-church culture. But when they do exit polling, they find out that the evangelical group of people consistently vote people in that kill babies and are okay with homosexuality. How does that happen if we have the truth? Now, I, I don't care from here on out. There, like I have, there, there are two things that I, would, I will give my life for. I'll give my life for the cause of Christ and for the, for the country I live in. The two things I'll give my heart for. Right? So I'm going to declare truth from now. And I don't care what uh, the government says I can or can't say. You know what's really cool is I got a real threatening letter from, from an ex-reverend or from a reverend uh, from Washington. I, well, I should bring it in and read it saying, you can't talk about politics in the pulpit, and you can't say this or that. And if you put voter guides out, you better make sure they come from our website because that's slanted. And, and I'm like, baloney, I can say anything that I want to say. And I didn't get very political. I was very careful because I never want to offend anyone because it's not about the name on the ballot for me. It's never about the name on the ballot for me. It's about who sides with truth. Who sides with truth? And you're like, well, both of them aren't really that good. In that case, you have to vote for the lesser of two evils. But so they send this threatening letter. You can't, we will take away your nonprofit status as a religious organization, and we will call you in for questioning or whatever. And so there's this organization of pastors that about two or three years ago, they started every year on a specific date. They said, you preach your most politically charged message on this date, you record it, and you send it to the IRS in Washington, D.C., and you dare them to come take away your nonprofit status. Sounds pretty bold, huh? <clears throat> so what happened is for three years or so, this thing grew and more churches signed up for it. And we recently found out that the IRS completely backed off and said, we can't tell religious organizations what they can and can't say. So, haha. <laughs> But if we don't stand up and speak, they will continue to take freedoms and liberties away. They want us to be quiet. And so in the church culture, if there's a, if there's a segment of people to say, hey, how can we vote for a, people that are okay with abortion and homosexuality, but we don't get up and say it in the church, then it's just going to continue to ebb away at what's true and what's okay. If we only speak about it at home, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that we elected another person who's for abortion. I mean, how many people do we kill nonstop? And, and you know, the, it's unbelievable the hypocrisy in the abortion and the, the activist. I, I've always wanted to do this, and this is kind of funny. I think it's funny. I don't know. 
I've wanted to create some kind of commercial for, for animal abortions. And, and, and where, oh my gosh, stupid spot is pregnant again. We don't want any more puppies. Let's go abort the puppies that are inside of our dog. And I thought, think of the outrage that I would get from PETA for, oh, you can't kill a dog. You can't, you can't kill kittens. Oh, come on, they're kittens. They don't, they don't know any better. Yet a baby, a child, a human, how, how, does it, how has it moved that far away? And why have we allowed the political spirit to tell what truth and what's okay anymore? How come we've given the rights of, of telling us what is okay or not okay, how come we've given that away to the courts when there's only one judge? Why has this happened? Because the church has been quiet like a little mouse. Why have we been quiet? Because we've been ashamed of the Holy Spirit. When we take the Holy Spirit out, we're under the influence of deception and we lose our boldness. Two things that are so critical right now. You know why the church is so powerful in India and why the church is so powerful in China where it's illegal to be a Christian and why the church is so powerful in Iraq and they see people raised from the dead and, and, and they have special code words that they know the police are coming to arrest them or kill them. You know why the church is so powerful there? Because they completely rely upon the Holy Spirit. They haven't bought into the deceptive lies of the political culture and they haven't backed down from their bold statements of who God is and what's right and what's wrong because they have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Yet here we are in the American church, the freest country in the world. And we're quiet. And we're so ashamed. And, and the PC police tells us what we can and we can't say. Why is that so important that they take away our voice? Because you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth is a fire. <laughs> a blaze <laughs> you can't stop the truth when you speak the truth <clears throat> I don't want my kids to be raised in a culture where Full-time politicians tell them what they can and can't do. The government was never set up to tell us what we can and can't do. Did you guys know that? The, when, when George Washington and Thomas Jefferson, and, and there's some other founding fathers you've never heard of. Sorry, we're having, it's okay. Whenever those guys came over here, they came to this country to flee from tyranny. They came to flee from bigotry. You know what a bigot is? It's not someone who's racist. A bigot is someone who tells you you can't do something, but they do it themselves. They fled from a free place, but the freedoms were being taken away. They were ebbing away what freedom was. So when they came here, they set it up and they says, you know what? Government did not give us our rights. The queen didn't give us our rights. We were given our rights by God himself. Right. And every person has been given these rights. To, the, the right to, to, to happiness, the pursuit of happiness, the right to, to freedom of speech. And they wrote this document that was beautiful. 
And they wrote it under the influence of God, under the influence of the Holy Spirit. They came here because they didn't want a government telling them what they could or could not do in their own home. And so what has happened is we have left the founding fathers and now we have a government telling us what we can and we cannot do in our very homes. And the more reliant we become on government, the more they will take away from us and our freedoms. I don't want health care from my government. I don't, I don't care. It's, it's probably beneficial to me because of the, the income that we have. It's probably beneficial to a lot of people, but I don't want it. Because they will own me. <laughs> That's how I feel. They will own me. I don't need someone thousands of miles away telling me what I can or cannot say in my own church. I can say anything that I want to. And if you don't like it, you don't have to listen. That's what happens. I mean, I, I never get into this stuff. It kind of feels good. <laughs> this is me six days a week. Trust me. Ask my wife. <laughs> I'm ready to put my uh, don't tread on me flag in my yard. <laughs> if you haven't been to my house, I have a huge American flag in the front yard. It will soon be accompanied by a yellow Gazden flag. This is don't tread on me. <laughs> um, oh, Jesus, help us. They, they want to shut us up so that we don't speak rather than just don't listen to it. Just go somewhere else. They don't want us to say certain words and certain things because it's offensive. Who's it, it offends me that you think it's okay to kill babies. It offends me that you think it's okay for a priest to be a homosexual. In Romans 16, verses 19 and 20, it says, Be wise about what is good. And be innocent about things that are evil. Listen to that statement. That is so powerful. Be wise about what is good, but be innocent about things that are evil. And then it says, if you do those things, if you live that way, the God of peace will soon come and crush Satan under your own feet. <clears throat> this, it was pretty it's cute. My, my uh, brother-in-law, he's in the, the school systems. He, he, uh, he teaches in the schools. He helps with campus missionaries. They have... Um, uh, what's it called? They do youth alive, but what do they do? Anyway, when they have all the kids come in and they talk, assemblies. He does assemblies in schools, and then they have things afterwards. They invite them to them if they want to, and they talk about Jesus, right? And that's what he does. And he's in, I mean, over all of North Texas. And he's also the vice president of their PTA, <laughs> which is funny. I'm like, my brother-in-law, a man, is the vice president of the PTA. Good for him. Well, a couple weeks back, maybe about a month back, they brought a BMX team that would come in and talk to the kids about not using drugs and living clean and that kind of stuff. And so they were on TV yesterday on a show on Fox Sports. Uh, it's called Hometown Heroes. I don't know if you've seen. If you watch any games, baseball, you'll see a commercial for it. And my little niece was on there, and she got to talk. They interviewed her, and they interviewed my brother-in-law. And he's like, we're, giving, we're telling the kids they have the power to choose. They have the options. It's up to them. And um, as this is going on, I'm thinking – there's, there's part of this that I love and part of this I'm nervous about because I don't want Josiah going to school and learning about stuff that I don't think he needs to be exposed to yet. Like, Josiah and them, they, he didn't know about homosexuality until someone in my family let him know because of the Chick-fil-A thing. We, didn't, we just didn't talk about it. You know why? Not because I'm burying his head in the sand, not because it's not a reality. 
but because I want him to, to know what normal is, and normal is good. And so that if, if I make him completely exposed to what God says is good, when something that's not good, he will know. He'll be like, whoa, this doesn't, that doesn't make sense, Dad. They, they uh, did this whole, whole thing at, at school, and the kids voted and all that kind of stuff. And, and I remember doing that as a kid. And, and the kids always pick the president every time but one since they've done this. The kids always write because they hear their parents, and, and they kind of know what's going on. And so Josiah's in his class, and he's completely outnumbered in his viewpoint. And he's saying, hey, Dad, but they said that if this person gets in, he's going to do this. And I'm like, okay, look, Josiah, take the names out of it. Like I said, I'm being very open today. Take the names out of it. He's, Big Bird's not going away. <laughs> Big Bird's not being taken away, I promise. Here, let me ask you this question. Have you heard of the term abortion, Josiah? He's like, maybe I've heard of it. He didn't know. I was like, well, do you know what abortion is? I was like, this is abortion. A woman gets pregnant and decides that she doesn't want the baby anymore. And so they go in with a vacuum or a needle and they kill the baby and he's like he couldn't believe it he couldn't believe it why if you ask every kid that question unless they've been programmed to think evil is good every kid a hundred out of a hundred a million out of a million kids will say that's not okay to kill a baby we're going to have to apologize to a generation of kids. And they're going to say, now, Grandma and Grandpa, you guys did what when, when people got pregnant because they didn't want to? Because it was inconvenient? Because it, they weren't ready? Because they didn't think they could provide for it? You did what? They're, we're going to have to apologize to them. Because kids know what right or wrong is. So if we will become excellent and experts about what's good. And it, I don't mean at all, because look, I'm one of those people. We have been sown into society as yeast, and we've been planted here to, to teach the gospel, to tell the truth, to show people who God really is. Amen? So I don't believe in burying our heads in the sand, and, and I'm, I'm just going to keep my kids at home, and we're going to have a little cult. <laughs> we're going to have our own little, you know, if you homeschool, that's cool. I've, I've thought about it because I don't like the way history is being completely changed. That's great. But I'm not talking about being cultish and we're, you know, we're Amish and it's, it's like The Village, the movie The Village, where we live in our own little village out in the middle of nowhere away from, from the evils of society. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about us getting familiar again with what good is and becoming less familiar with what evil is. Everywhere we look, we hear what's evil. Oh, have you heard the new street name for this drug? Have you heard the, the new term for this? And have you heard the new thing for that? And am I telling the truth? Everywhere we turn, an evil thing is saying, hey, there's a new layer of it. There's a new word for it. There's a new version of it. The evil, evil, evil. Am I telling the truth? And we become excellent at what's evil. We know what's wrong. And I, I wrote this a few weeks ago on Facebook. And when I was younger, it was very fun to be rebellious and be against stuff. I'm against it. I'm against this and I'm against that. But as I've gotten older, it's much more fun to be for stuff than against stuff. If I will find out who God is, find out every layer to him, know what he says is good, know what he says is righteous, 
If we can learn those things, then evil will have no authority over us. Evil will have no pull on our hearts because we will be excellent about what is good. And when a counterfeit thing comes in, our feelers will come up and say, wait, that doesn't seem right. If you ask every kid on that platform there, how do you think every one of the kids would have voted? Let's just say this side is for killing babies, this side is not. Every kid would have voted for the side that's not for it. Every kid. Yet here we are in church. Listen to me. I wish I had the statistics. I'd put them up here because it, it would make your stomach turn. The evangel- Not just church, the evangelical church. The percentage of people that have consistently voted for people that are for abortion. I'm talking about, it's not about one man now. It's about a history of electing people that are for abortion. The church, the statistics are ridiculous. You would think that it would be the opposite of what it is. <laughs> and how is it that we, that, why is that? Where's the child in all of us that goes, no, that just doesn't seem right. Where's that kid in all of us that's so sure about what's right and what's wrong? Remember when you were a kid and someone would ask you something, is this right or wrong? You knew. How many many know I'm talking about? Kids, man, they know. You want to know if something, there's your human lie detector right there. Ask a kid. They know. The kids know. Because there's a purity and an innocence inside of it. If we'll protect it, it'll stay there. But as we grow older, suddenly other things begin to pull on our heart. Yeah, but I know that that person's for homosexuality and abortion, but they're going to give me free stuff. Hey, I'm, if I offend you, you can talk to me later. But just listen. Again, it's, it's not about a Democrat or Republican or Libertarian. It's not about any of this stuff. It's about what's right and what's wrong. And so there's something inside of you. Well, they're going to help us out here. So I can turn away from killing babies and from homosexuality because of this that they're going to feed me. It's a poverty mi- mindset. I wish I could talk to every African American in America. Because the Democratic Party, I'm going there today, I don't care. (laughs) I have many books in my library written from African American people that absolutely cannot stand the progressive movement in our country, that are completely against what the Democratic Party says they're for. Because basically, and a, a guy named Shelby Steele, you want to look him up, a stud. He wrote this book, and he's saying how the Democratic Party has enslaved the African-American culture again because we've made them dependent in this area, and we've said that they can't do it on their own, so we do it for them. That's his words, not mine. And so what has happened is we've believed a lie. We are free people. There is nothing stopping you in America from having anything that you want. There's nothing stopping us. There's nothing stopping any individual. For someone to say this person has more opportunity than the other, baloney. Look through history. The people that make the greatest inventions ever came from nothing. They didn't come from wealthy families. None of them did. Hardly ever. Look back through history. The Thomas Edisons and, and the people that had been Franklins and stuff, not every one of them came with a silver spoon in their mouth. They came from hardships and trials. George Washington Carver, who came up with a thousand different inventions for peanuts came from nothing, and he made something of himself. 
Look, it's just a mindset. But what's happened is the church has bought into this mindset and we say, well, I can look away there because they're going to help the, the economy or they're going to help this or help that. No, it should never be so. Money should never be more important than a person's life. Money should never be more important than the sanctity of what marriage is. And I'll tell you this. If we believe that one party will help the economy better even though they break the laws of God, then we are completely deceived. Because the Bible says over and over again that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin brings reproach. Listen to me. I wish I When we side with sin, that's what brings the curse upon the nation. If we would stand up for righteousness and go, no, there's a better way of living. There's there's God's way. If we would actually raise up as the church and begin to speak this way and live this way and begin to tell other Christians without fear, without, oh, you're going to call me a name or say I'm racist or you're going to say I don't like this thing or that thing. If we would get past all of this stuff and just tell the truth, because the truth, the truth is, it's, it's the truth. Always has been, always will be. There's a, there's a guy now, he says, the truth has no agenda. It doesn't have an agenda attached to it. It just doesn't. And if we would begin to proclaim the truth, and if the church would begin to vote properly, and if we don't like the people that, that are elected up there, then maybe it's time for some of us in the church to step up into the politics. Maybe it's time for us to stop being lazy and complaining, and I'm just not even going to vote because I don't believe in the system. Well, maybe you're George Washington, and you need to rise up. Maybe you're Abraham Lincoln and you're sitting here all quiet, wasting your life away, complaining about the system. Maybe it's time for us to get involved in our community. But when we will side with truth, it will bring blessing to the nation. Straight up. That's the way it is. There is no way around it. But the, the issue and the thing that we have to settle today is will we have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? Will we come back to our first love? Will we as the church stop being ashamed of the third person of the Trinity and begin to embrace Him and say, Oh, Holy Spirit. Look, this is how I talk to the Holy Spirit. You are so awesome. You're so awesome that Jesus had to leave so that I could have a relationship with you. That's the Holy Spirit. Jesus had to leave this earth so that he could come. That's how important he is. That's how vital he is to every person. See, when we live by the Spirit, the Bible says that we have blessing, we have benefit, we have life. But when we live by the flesh, we have death, pain, suffering. Amen? You guys okay? You still love me? Hope, hope anyone, if we put this on podcast, I hope you all love me, guys, on the podcast as you're listening at your desk. I really love everybody. I really do. I just don't want the church to, to fall into the trap of redefining what good is. <clears throat> the world should never have the ability to tell us what good and bad is. The church should always be the one to tell. The church should be the one that tells what's right and what's wrong. No Supreme Court. No government. No 
of threats. I, when I got that letter, I just wrote at the top, ha ha. I just laughed. Let's laugh at that lie. Ha ha, you can't tell me what to say. Ha ha ha. Ha ha. So it's time for us to purge the church of deception. <clears throat> deception is not just the proclaiming of lies. It's the partnership between a stronghold in my heart with a lie. Okay? The devil's always going to lie. That doesn't mean he has to be successful at lying to us. We will manage our own hearts. No lie he ever spits at us will have any effect. I felt really good. I really did. Hmm. Why don't you just, why don't you stand? Yeah. And we're going to say the Pledge of Allegiance. <laughs> Only kidding. <laughs> oh. Hey, uh, be careful with pop culture. Young, old, all of us, we are inundated with pop culture. We know the information that we get, the news, the information comes from pop culture. It comes from music, comes from television, comes from movies. Some people are saying that the movie houses are the churches of yesterday. Movies, the movie theater, is the schoolroom of yesterday. <clears throat> so be careful what we listen to. The enemy doesn't speak to us haphazardly. He doesn't just speak saying, oh, I hope this sticks. He speaks with an agenda, hoping that it stirs something in our heart. Don't give him any place. Ephesians says, do not give the devil a foothold. Don't even give him a place to attach his lies. Because deception follows. Amen? Well, Lord, we just thank you for, for everything you're doing for us. I thank you for the freedom that we have to be able to speak these things. God, we ask that you would change our hearts today. Huh. We want to renew our covenant and our relationship with Holy Spirit. Hmm. Why, don't you just, why don't you just talk to the Holy Spirit? Maybe you've never done that before. It felt strange, but it's going to make him so happy. <laughs> Holy Spirit. You're so wise. Like you are the truth. And every word you say reveals truth to me and builds truth inside of me. <laughs> every time you speak, you're releasing to me my inheritance. <laughs> every time you speak, you're replacing my thoughts with his thoughts. Oh, yeah. Can we, can we all apologize to the Holy Spirit?
Let's just do that where you're at. Let's just tell him we're sorry for pushing him around, pushing him aside. Holy Spirit, we, we ask for you to forgive us. We know that you're not easily offended, but I feel like we've offended you. I feel like we've pushed you aside and we've been ashamed of what you do or we've been scared to talk about you. And that's our fault because we've made the focus on things that aren't your focus. <laughs> we ask you to forgive us for that. Help us to really know who the Holy Spirit is, who you are. Help us to really know what you're all about so that we can be about those things. Forgive us for pushing you aside. Forgive us for thinking that you would cause people not to come to church. So we've put programs and we've become marketing geniuses rather than excellent about Holy Spirit. I ask you to forgive us for that. Forgive us as a church for, for putting you in a side room somewhere, for not wanting the things that you do displayed. We want you to be a centerpiece here. We have to be shoulder to shoulder with you because there are deceptive spirits and we don't want to be deceived. We want to know the truth. We want to walk in truth. Uh, Holy Spirit, we want to renew our covenant with you. We want to walk with you, the dove on our shoulder. Uh, we quiet ourselves. We rest so that you'll stay with us. Hmm. We say to the church, wake up. We say to our church, wake up. Slap us, Holy Spirit. Who has bewitched us? Who has put a spell on us? Wake us up. Wake us up. Take us back to the things of the Spirit. Take us back to the start. Yeah. <laughs> the central theme of the whole New Testament was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit coming and living inside of us. See, the New Testament didn't actually start until Jesus died and rose again. <laughs> so in reality, the whole New Testament, the whole New Covenant is about Holy Spirit. I, I, I do want to do this. We don't, let's, let's not just talk about it. As Misty Edwards says, I don't want to talk about you like you're not in the room. I want to look right at you. I want to sing right to you. Give me dove's eyes. Do you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? Both. Have you had both encounters with Him? When you said yes to Him, when you asked Jesus to come into your heart, Holy Spirit comes into your heart too. It's a package deal. You get all three. God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. It's like the QVC. Oh, wait, if you order now, we'll also include Holy Spirit. <laughs> All you have to pay is for shipping and handling. That's it. <laughs> yeah, no extra cost. <laughs> but wait, there's more. <laughs> we will also give you these gifts. Love, joy, peace. <laughs> it all comes to salvation. 
But then there's a baptism. He's in us for us, but He comes upon us for others. So have you had both encounters? I'm, ask, I'm just asking. I'm looking at you. Because if you haven't, what are you waiting for? The same thing that caused the first encounter is the same thing that will cause the second encounter. You believing it. Faith. Faith. Faith is not difficult. I saw Bill sent this out on Facebook or Twitter or something this week. He said, if, he says, if faith was hard, then no one could please God. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. He said, but faith is actually very easy so that we can please God. So if you believe that He saved your soul, then you can have an encounter with this second encounter with Holy Spirit where He comes upon you. It's a baptism of fire. Yeah? And I, I, I know that in the Bible they laid hands and people were baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I believe that still happens. So why don't you lay hands on yourself and ask for the Holy Spirit to come. Even if you're filled. Even if you've had the second encounter. Just ask for a fresh one. Yeah? Just go ahead and ask for that fresh encounter. Oh yeah. <laughs> I want to be baptized every day in the fire of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Yeah, let's just pray. I'm going to turn my mic off so that I can really just pray. Um, just go for it. Yeah. He's in the room. Just he just wants you to welcome him. Just invite him in.
talk to him. Yeah, he's here. Oh, he's here. He has distinct uh, atmospheric shift comes when he comes. <laughs> yeah. burning one burning ones, yeah. <laughs> yes, Lord. Spirit of truth, come, yeah. Speak to us now, yeah. Words of life, words of truth, dispel all deception, no more lies, no more strongholds, yeah, our heart is pure, nothing's built there you didn't put, <laughs> nothing there, nothing there, no strongholds, nothing ill-fitting, <sighs> only what you've put there, Lord, yeah, <laughs> only what your word has built remains in my heart. We tear down every other altar. We tear down every other thought, process, stronghold, imagination. We cast down these things now. Let the fire burn it all away. Let the fire of your spirit burn it all away. So that only you remain. Rebuild ancient walls in us, Lord. Anchor us to ancient truth.
breath of God. Stir a fire in us, yeah. calling out to him. He doesn't often come where there's a lot of activity. He likes, he likes to come where there's peace and there's rest. So just, if you need to go, please do so quietly. If not, let's just wait. Let's just keep pursuing him, all right? We want to build a place for you. We want to build a home for you, yeah. Come abide in us. <sighs> we make room for you. Yeah. Your word has made room for it, Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah. Put a fire in us that won't go out. Purify us, purify our motives, God, purify our reasoning, restore what good really is, yeah. with power. Mm. <laughs> Clothe us with power. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you just ask him to do that? Clothe me with power. Clothe me with Oh. 
place that you call home. Just pray for someone close to you. Help our hearts to burn for you, Lord. Help our hearts to burn for you. It's impossible to not burn for you when you live there. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Holy Spirit, I want to know you. I want to know every layer there is to you. be an expert in spiritual things. 